Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Koslowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. And same applies to any professional who may appear on the OG Therapy Podcast. Welcome to the OG Therapy. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of OG Therapy. Today I'm riding with just one of my OGs, Mr. K. Scott. What's up, K? Mm-hmm. What's going on, man? What is going on? Now I ain't got to worry about, hey, who who was who he saying who was going on to? Because <laughs> <laughs> usually like, what's going on? Me and Rojo look at each other like, who's he talking to? <laughs> but today, what's going on? I know exactly who you talk about. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I, I need to do a better job at like saying, hey. <laughs> It's your turn to talk. Hey, it's your turn to talk. Um, well, thanks for jumping on the, the call with me today. We've got a really good question from a teenager, and um, I'll be doing later throughout the day. I'll be catching, you know, Rojo and possibly Jason on a couple other mm-hmm. episodes because, you know, we, we all got to gotta pay those bills, got to work. Yeah. Right. They, and they so don't pay themselves. This is true. This is true. So I got a quick episode for all of you parents out there and teens as well. This episode comes from a teenager. Um, this question comes from a teenager. That's not a question we've answered before. So when I saw mm. this one, I'm like, okay, I like this question. So I'm going to paraphrase the question because the question was a lot longer. I don't want to, most teenage questions are shorter, but this one I could tell the kid had a lot of insecurity about asking this question. So he went on a little bit longer. So here's the gist of the question. The question is, how do I tell my parents I'm looking at pornography without them freaking out, sending me away or you know, getting in a bunch of big trouble. He does admit in this that it's gotten out of hand where it's at least once a day, sometimes multiple times a day. Uh, every, I don't know, like he thinks about it all the time. He he said some other things he's noticed it's affecting him, but let's just put it this way. It's not making him more social. It's not making him more confident and it's not making him less depressed. Mm. It's making him more depressed. It's making him less social, isolate himself more. And uh, he just noticed he just doesn't really feel comfortable talking to certain girls and stuff like that. So I'll fill in a little bit more of the details, but that's the the question from this young man. And, um, you know, this was one of those ones where right before the episode, I told Kenneth what the question was going to be. Sometimes we'd like to just freestyle it and just kind of go for it and ask questions. But I wanted Kenneth to have just a, just a second to kind of think about that because, you know, even though you and I, Kay, we're not in the same um, – uh, generation per se, you're one generation mm-hmm. below me. I think it's pretty safe to say that the type of pornography that's accessible to a teenage boy right now was not accessible when you were 13, 14 years old. Right. right. Different world. The internet's different. Mm-hmm. Right. When you're when you're 13, 14 years old, about what year was that when you're in middle school? Ooh, 2005. 2005. Jesus. Definitely didn't have definitely didn't have cell phone, right? You didn't have a cell phone. I had a I had a cell phone, but it didn't have internet. It there didn't you go. Have I, internet back I was then. I was just gonna say, even if you did have a cell phone, it was one of those flip phones. Didn't have internet yep. to it send sure one text. Send one text. It took a lot of concentration the and T9. patience. <laughs> took a lot of patience because it starts to auto correct. No, and then you have to go yep. backwards and redo it again. The T nine, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so even though. 
you're a lot younger than me, it was still very similar in the sense it wasn't easily accessible as far as like, you couldn't press play on some stuff that you're like, whoa. I mean, right. growing up when I was a kid, um, if you were to look at any pornographic images, is most likely going to come from your at a friend's house and his, his dad happened to have some Playboys or penthouse magazines, you know, somewhere in the house or something like that stashed mm-hmm. away. Um, again, for all you parents that listen, I'm not, I'm not just promote, I'm not promoting that that was a typical thing in every dad's house. I'm saying if you were to stumble across that stuff, it was some other kid got a magazine from his dad or some sort of DVD or something like that. But in today's world, I call it click, click, boom. Mm. Two clicks away from stuff that young people would have no idea even exists. Right. Couldn't even That's imagine true. how how big like like a scenario or situation could be. This isn't like, oh, you meet a girl, you kiss, then you know, some things happen, you get married. Like it's 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 supposed to be what's called a supernatural stimuli. So I want mm-hmm. to talk about this for a second, uh, Kay, as you think about this. Uh, there are a few animals in the animal kingdom that actually prefer the more exaggerated version of reality than reality. Uh, one of those are birds. So you guys don't have to take my word on this. Look at supernatural stimuli and, it, and you'll see why in my explanation why this pertains to pornography and why in my experience working with helping people with pornography addiction, why I think this is relevant to bring this up. So a lot of people are familiar with like uh, peacocks, the birds, peacocks, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Well, in the bird species, if a bird, if a female bird sees um, like a peacock has colors, then like, wow, like that's, that's beautiful. And they're going to want to breed and procreate with that peacock. They see a peacock with even crazier, more out of this world colors. Mm-hmm. They're going to want that. They're going to choose that over the natural colors that they're used to. Human beings are very similar. So when I was studying about pornography addiction, I, I came across this a long time ago that whenever they create movies that are out of the norm, out of the ordinary, um, maybe they're some sort of fetish or just something that's super fantasy, it creates more, uh, I'm trying to make this simple as possible without getting too geeky about the psychology. It's going to create dopamine. It's going to create neurochemicals and create an intensity to it because it's so taboo. It's also because it's something you've never imagined or even thought about before. Now, as full-grown adults, Kay, if we were to see something that was way out of the normal, let's say it's just a movie, we can comprehend, okay, that's not real life. Mm-hmm. That's a movie. Like, that's, right. okay, that's based on a true story. It's like, okay, that's fantasy. Like, we, we understand that that's not reality, that mm-hmm. that's not what's happening. I think it's much harder. Well, I don't think, I know it's much harder for younger people to separate and differentiate between reality and not reality. So taking that into consideration with all the intensity of neurochemicals that can be uh, produced inside the brain when they're not, when they're watching sexual content, let alone they're watching supernatural sexual content, Mm -hmm. it causes people to need more and more and more of something. Some people call it like a resistance. So if you do something enough, you start to build up a certain resistance or tolerance to it. Mm-hmm. And then yep. you got to do more of that thing. If it's taking a medication, maybe in the beginning, the medication, a certain dosage worked, but after a while you, you, you get used to it, you get to develop a tolerance. So then you got to take more medication. It also the same way with drugs and, and alcohol. The more someone drinks, the more tolerant they're going to get to alcohol and they have to drink more to get the same effect. Mm-hmm. Very similar with pornography. 
It makes it far more addicting because of the amount of chemicals it's produced. It makes it even more addicting because it creates this supernatural. The problem with it is it has a return where now people who are obsessed and addicted to this, they start to struggle with seeing reality as just being a simple thing that they could wait on. So for another uh, circumstance, a lot of young people are starting to feel that to go out on a date, to court a woman, to talk to them, to have these relationships. Sometimes they like you, sometimes they don't like you. Sometimes you get a kiss, sometimes you don't get a kiss. Sometimes it turns into a relationship, sometimes it doesn't. That's a lot of uncertainty. Right. But here's the uncertainty that a lot of young people have found out that they don't have to wait on by dating. If they find a pornographic video or website, they can scroll through it, they can pick whatever their likes are, whatever their their curiosities are, and they can literally just pick and choose whatever it is they want to be entertained by. This does a lot of negativeness when it comes to negativeness, a lot of negative things when it comes to seeing women and seeing people's bodies and sexuality as something that's sacred or something that's um, special. In fact, what it does is it makes it easy to objectify the female body. Now, I'm speaking mostly because this was a teen boy that asked this, so I'm referring to teen boys, sexual relationships with girls. Not only does it make it so that you're more likely to see the girl as a sexual object, you're also not likely to have thoughts and feelings that can get to the point of close intimate connection. You may be more focused on just their looks and not anything else. So it's going to make it really difficult to to respect a woman. It's going to make it really difficult to uh, have the time and patience to build intimate connections with that woman without becoming frustrated and just wanting some sort of sexual uh, return for you giving compliments. Uh, A lot of young people know the terminology called F-boys. We talked about here on the podcast a few times. F-boys definitely, uh, I can't say definitely, there's a high probability, like 99% chance that any F-boy out there that's hypersexualized, that's seeing girls as just, hey, I need to get them to hook up with me, get them to like me and do sexual things with me. It's, it's almost guaranteed that these young men have been influenced by pornography. Um, in some cases have been sexually molested or abused themselves. They were introduced to sexual feelings and emotions and actions at a very young age. Um, sometimes it could be, you know, in a traumatizing situation. Sometimes it could be in just looking at pornography, right? Being exposed to it that way. Mm-hmm. All these things, I want to give a little background on that before we answer this question, because this young man, if he's been watching pornography even half as much as he's saying he's been watching it, then it's not only going to be difficult for him to stop because it sounds like this has become a coping mechanism for him. Mm-hmm. By the way, just like drugs and alcohol, and playing video games and basically how anything in overconsumption can, you know, almost anything can become addictive. If this young man has been doing this for this long, not only is it be hard to stop doing it because he's used to those chemical releases of his brain by watching it, it's also be hard to do it because this become his coping mechanism if he's not feeling good, if he's not in a good place in his in his heart or mind. And for young men that I've counseled and worked through, uh, worked with throughout the years that have had struggles with pornography addiction, <coughs> excuse me, they become <coughs> very protective of their addiction, meaning they want to stop, they don't want to do it, but in the back of their mind, like, but what if? 
What if down the road, I want to look at it again. If I tell my parents, if I narc myself out, now they're going to put blockers on the, my, my internet. They're going to monitor my phone and I'm not gonna be able to watch it. And so they, they kind of go, Oh shoot. I don't know if I should do that. I don't know if I should narc myself out. So I want all that information before we answer the question. So Kenneth, as we're talking about the first thing I wonder for you, what is your thoughts and feelings? This is a teenage boy from the, from the, from the message. It seems like he's probably about 14 years old. Does your heart go out to a young man like that? I mean, was this something that you could have imagined a young day, like a young, I mean, do you feel for what this young man is going through, especially based off of all the stuff I just said that he has going against him? Yeah, exactly. You know, you definitely got to feel for him um, and show that empathetic side simply because he is young. He is going through those puberty stages, learning and exploring who he is and his masculinity. And it's natural to be turned on by, you know, pornographic you know, information and all his, his brain's going to go, huh? What? It's going to notice yep. it. The click, click, boom. And then like you yep. said, you know, as you're scrolling, you may not even be following nothing of that type of content, but all of a sudden you scroll and it pops up on your screen. So I'm like, what in the world? Just out of the blue. Right. And of course you're going to look at it like, Oh shoot. But um, are you saying that sex sales? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's basically what... You saying that sexual content will get teenage boys attention or males attention at like. all. That's how media is running. That's exactly how media and the is algorithms, running. The algorithms have to know that because they're all about numbers. Mm-hmm. And if someone you know scrolls it. and stops and looks at that girl half naked on an Instagram mm-hmm. post, pretty sure the algorithm goes, hmm, those Instagram posts, we might need to suggest those to more young men. Right. And then plus, uh, I know that's the reason why a lot of other countries is banning that type of those type of things. I know the yeah. TikTok CEO, I remember watching an interview and he said that he won't allow his own children to be on TikTok. I'm like, well, you just oh, in China, they can't get the same content in, in TikTok that we get here in the United States. And I'm like, huh? And it, and it makes you think like, wow. And so they just feeding all these negative things to these kids. And unfortunately, you know, the, the, the kid that, you know, answered the question, he became a victim of it. Right. And so when someone gets victimized, you're trying to figure out, okay, what, how can we service him better? And then for him, I think the best thing for him to do is to seek out services, whether it be family, uh, an accountability partner, especially because that can be daunting going to your your family uh whether it's your mother or your father because they may have differences right your mother may be like will what in the world like you know and your father may be like son what like you know so he don't want to come off as you don't want to disappoint his family right absolutely who can you find within that nucleus that you can go to that's a safe space to where you can like release that that energy basically to where you can remove yourself from that hopefully not addictiveness that he's facing right now of watching those things yeah i mean you got you got two girls um Mm -hmm. you know knowing that they'll be dating someday growing up is that going to be a concern of yours do you do you think of gosh like what type of guy she's going to be dating Mm -hmm. and on that what type of guy do you want your daughter to be dating on the top of your list of top 10 things of attributes and characteristics you want the young man to have, would you be thinking like, Oh, I want him to look at pornography every day. Mm. <laughs> Lord. Cause now like, just think about like how you kind of mentioned earlier about now. Okay. They're, they're role-playing those things that they see in the video. Right. And so I'm like, Oh shoot. So would that be the same thing? They will be 
doing towards my daughter. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, try to get my daughter to like think like that and do those yeah. types of things. Yeah. So it, it makes it difficult in a way. So I think the earlier he catches on and earlier he gets help, the better it's going to be for him later on. Because then, you know, you think you face you think about all the later on things about consent, rape allegations. You know, those criminal type items that can ruin his life. You know. Um, being a, a sexual fit you just never know right what it can turn into if he doesn't get it hashed out now well some would argue and, and by the way a great point some would argue that um finding out like if you had a choice would you rather have your neighbors and family and friends that you're closely intimately connected to would you rather them find out that you're addicted to alcohol or addicted to pornography mm. Because think of which one wow. is more like people are used to hearing that one more. They kind of can see it. Like like for the alcohol, like you got to get drunk. And then when you're drunk, then you're irresponsible doing those things. But a lot of people have known people, I know tons of people myself, hey, from 8 to 5, they keep their stuff together. But right. come 530, oh, they're drinking. Yeah. Like you don't get involved yeah. in, in, their, in their after hours drink time. 8 to 5. I'm not saying they're doing it perfect, but at least they're right. keeping together, doing their job, whatever. But with pornography, it seems to be much more taboo because that's such a broad statement. It's like, well, mm -hmm. what does that mean? They're addicted to pornography. What kind of pornography are they looking at? Right, are they looking right. at in a? Are they looking at just typical guy girl sex stuff? Are they looking at some fetishes, or are they looking right. at like child stuff? Like that's, we're talking that, into like yep. oh now illegal type stuff. Mm -hmm. It opens up the potential for so many things. So back to what you're saying is that. This young man in this question, and I and I always coach all the young men when I'm counseling them, helping them, is that your reputation is mm. far more important than you realize it. And I think that he's right. fearful of what his reputation would look like. Mm. But guess what, Mr. OG Therapy uh, Certified Coach? You actually answered it in a way that your <laughs> man Kyle's was about to answer it. So <laughs> big ups to you for that one, okay? Because... What you said is something that I've been given this suggestion for years. And even though we've never worked on this one, I haven't talked to you about like this type of subject. That's why I'm I'm presenting to you right now. Yeah. By the way, guys, everyone's listening to this, you know, O, you know, OG Therapy, Rojo, K Scott, and Jason, they're all going through a certification to learn mm -hmm. how to do all the stuff that I've learned in therapy, but not have to go to graduate school to become an actual therapist. Right. Just all the things that just my tricks and tools of the trade throughout the years, right? So what I've had this happen before. And this kid is very scared. His parents are very, um, they're very religious. They have some mm. strong morals and uh, they're not parents that are like, oh, they, you know, they're kind of more loosey goosey, whatever. So there's a big reason why this young man's fearful. Okay. According mm. to what he said, he goes, oh, there's a big reason why I'm fearful. I get it. I understand it. Why, why they could react that way. All the more reason in these situations, why I tell them who is a trusted adult that you could open up and talk to about this and a person that has influence over your parents, your parents respect this person, a parents that's reasonable, a person that's reasonable and also can be that mediator between your parents and you. Yep. Now, if you're seeing a therapist, if you're seeing a counselor, then that would be a great person. Bring it up to your therapist or counselor. My experience has been that sometimes uncles and aunties, uh, your parents' closest friends. So mm -hmm. with one young man, I was saying, okay, who's someone in your family that you could confess this to and say, Hey, could you help me talk to my parents about this? No. He was going through, he's like, uh, he couldn't find anyone in his family tree that wasn't super, um, mm. 
extreme in the religious category and he didn't trust. However, his mom did have a best friend that she grew up with. He said, oh, this best friend, my mom, she's got like tattoos. Like she's a lot more edgy than my mom. But because they grew up together, even though they don't have anything on the outside and they don't share the same religious views, she could tell that, you know, this this was a a person that could have influence over a parent, okay? And I kind of slipped up. I guess the gender isn't as important, but in this particular situation, sometimes I like to trick people so they don't know who it is I'm referring to, this one was actually a female. And this girl was very scared. So uh, I think I slipped up and said it was a female, but you don't know who the female's name is. But females, even though this is not the topic, it's still relevant. It was the same challenge. She was worried about her parents, what they would say. So she went to her mom's friend, this lady. She said, hey, listen, I need your help. When she told the lady was happening, the lady was like, I'm so glad you came and talked to me before you talked to your mom. Mm-hmm. She goes, okay, let's do this. So then she talked to the mom and the dad said, hey, I want to get come over, have a barbecue, hang out. And then they kind of presented this in a place, in a time, a situation as a, like, as a we're proud of you for talking about this instead of shaming you and jumping down, you know, why did you do this? What's going on? This woman was able to really mediate this a lot better. And so your suggestion of talk to someone help them help you come up with a plan how to talk to your parent that has been the best successful tool in suggesting this because some kids actually probably could have talked to a parent on their own Mm -hmm. and some of them actually did and they came to me and said hey here's what happened sometimes they got lucky it wasn't that bad right especially if i was working with the parents but if i'm Mm -hmm. not working with the parent if i don't know the parent if i don't have influence over the parent it's a toss it could go 50 50 Right. right So your parent may be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you opened up to me. Or your parent may think, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have let you have a cell phone. And now I'm going to take away your cell phone. The kid's like going, oh my gosh, I just took my own cell phone away from me because I talked about this. That's not a solution by taking your kid's cell phone. That could be part of the solution based on how bad it is. But another big concern I have is that a lot of young people, especially young men, it's not exclusive young men, but more young men are having this happen where they're getting blackmailed because of Mm. pornographic images that they see in an Instagram post or a video that some girl posts. They, they message the girl, the girl messages them. They think they're talking to a real life person. Mm. Then they get asked to send pictures, videos of themselves. As soon as they send it to the, I'm doing air quote girl, Mm. they find out that it's not a girl. It's a blackmail situation. Someone could be in a different country they right. say, here's all your contacts. They show you pictures of your parents, what school you go to. And they say, if you don't give us 500 bucks, whatever the amount of money is, by this time in the next 30 minutes, we're going to blast these pictures and videos of you to everyone on your social media platforms. That right there has caused suicidal attempts, ideations, caused kids to leave schools, caused a lot of panic. And so my concern and the reason why I'm glad I'm answering this question is we don't want to let young people out there feel as if that they have to keep these things a secret to themselves. Mm-hmm. In fact, it grows the more of a secret is. So the more you keep it a secret, you don't talk to anyone about it. It's going to make you feel more ashamed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to make you feel worse about it in general. So I'm glad you said that, Kay, because in my experience, that has been the best thing to help out young people. Mm-hmm. In fact, I even had a parent one time, the kid opened up to the parent and said, hey, listen, here's what's going on. The parent said, I think you need to have someone else talk to uh, my partner about this. Mm-hmm. It ended up being me. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it was me is because that parent and the two parents were uh, looking at getting a divorce. 
the parent that the kid confessed to did not have any good influence over the other parent. So in that situation, if that parent would have brought it up, it would have made that parent look like they're covering for the kid, minimizing it, not wanting the kid to get in trouble for it. So I took control of that situation, those types of situations. Um, it still might be best to have a neighbor, a family member, a right. friend, an uncle or an aunt. So what do you thought about, uh, about me adding those little details that Kay? Oh no, that, that, that's spot on, definitely spot on. And it will help a lot, uh, help out a lot of, uh, you know, teens and even parents, how to navigate it through, to open up, to have that conversation, to allow the kid to be open with them about the things that they're going through. So it, it helped on, on both ends. Well, I mean, we all know too, it takes a village, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't need just a village to help you with hard things. You sometimes need a village to help you saying things that are hard right. as well. So. All right. Well, for all you guys out there, maybe if you have a kid, maybe you have a family member, friend that, Hey, you know, they're, you know, they're worried about their child. Maybe you're a teenager. Like, man, I don't know how to talk to my parents. Or I got a friend that I'm worried about that I know they've been looking at a lot of pornography. Um, I, I believe this information will be helpful. So you can like it. You can share it. It's on any uh, podcast platform that you listen to. If you want to follow K. Scott, they can follow you where at? At K. Scott underscore two on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And you can ask K. Scott questions. You don't just have to go to our Instagram page, but our Instagram page is, go and tell them, K. OG dot therapy. That's right. And we're also, if you go to YouTube, we have a YouTube page, OG Therapy as well. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's David underscore K-O-Z-L-O-W-S-K-I underscore. And that's on Instagram. That's the only um, social media platform I'm somewhat active on. So please send in questions, uh, comments on the episodes. And until next time, remember, when you're going through hard times, especially you teenagers out there don't know what to do, whether it's an uncle or an auntie or writing out this podcast, when you're down on your knees, you're struggling, don't know what to do, come to your OGs in your life. Like I said, it could be family members, friends, or it could be this podcast. Until next time, be cool.